0: Welcome everyone to Yay! Live! This is a loyalty podcast for direct-to-consumer brands. We are here to help brands navigate the new economic landscape by growing sustainably to achieve long-term success. And for this episode, I'm very happy to welcome Martin Jensen. Martin is the CEO of Centra, a headless commerce platform for fashion and lifestyle brands. Centra was founded in 2016, born in the Nordics, and have already a very strong foothold in Sweden and neighboring countries, but is now currently scaling internationally. Very exciting times ahead. With Martin, we'll deep dive into global expansion and the world of B2B to discuss how direct-to-consumer brands can make the most out of this sales channel without compromising brand and customer experience, which is so core to any direct-to-consumer business success. So thanks for joining us on Yay Live today, Martin, the podcast for direct-to-consumer brands. Let's kick this off. First, would you like to give an introduction about yourself and explaining a little bit how Centra came about? Cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm Martin. I'm one of the co-founders of Centra. And Centra came about actually a few years back, back in 2016 some of the other co-founders of Central were running a web agency and building websites for direct to consumer brands it wasn't called direct to consumer brands at the time that term was not invented but building websites for brands that wanted to sell their products online and thought hey there's not really any good there's not any good really great software e- e-commerce software for brands so that's how the idea came came about to start a new e-commerce platform focusing only on fashion lifestyle brands and solving the specific needs of those type of commerce versions.
0: Interesting. So yeah, very much background focus on like having experienced firsthand the challenges of not finding the right platform to build this type of websites. Interesting.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, of, of course, a lot of, has happened in the e-commerce space since 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 then. Back then, the big platform that was dominating the market was Magento, and I mean Magento One, not 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 the recent version of Magento and And, uh, yeah, a lot has changed, but I think a lot of the challenges that brands have online are still the same, yeah,
0: definitely, but maybe, as we speak and as we record this episode with just like not even like a week, yeah a week after a Black Friday, maybe you would you like like to share a little bit more about like what you have seen? this year about uh, like Friday really with the brand that you have in your portfolio, like if you have so many big change, like trends.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean the trend we've been seeing for several years is actually less and less Black Friday. You can you can of course ask why, but but we've seen like a, a strong trend towards sustainability and towards sustainable shopping. And, and from the other angle also, brands wanting to full it, sell at full price rather than sell it at discounts, right? So I've seen sort of an anti-Black Friday trend actually, you know, fewer and fewer of our clients are doing smaller and smaller sales. Now, this year was a, was a change in the trend, I can tell you. This year we saw a lot of clients running big discounts, big Black Friday campaigns, and we sort of discussed internally like what do we think is going on here? But we think the explanation is pretty simple that we've had a year of of, or we have have had several years of first COVID, and then the start of the war, and then recession and inflation and what. And, and you know, supply chain problems driven by these two factors and changes in customer de- behavior. And we think, yes, we're in a situation where a lot of brands currently have had a lot of inventory to convert into cash before the end of the year. So it's, it's that simple. But we saw a big increase in Black Friday numbers this year, actually, across our, our brand portfolio compared to last year and the year before. Yeah,
0: interesting. I mean, that's also something that we've seen more and more brands actually jumping on the Black Friday bandwagon a well, while, maybe in you know, the previous year, they were like, no, that's not for us. We always sell at the right price during the entire year, so we don't run on sales. But now it feels like everyone in customer have been holding back on their money during this whole, like waiting for discounts actually to spend. But I think it will be also interesting to look at how this maybe will finalize the Christmas season. I don't know if that's something you've been discussing with some customers.
1: Yeah, I think I think one thing we have seen for sure is more and more clever discounts, like trying to you know find other ways to offer a discount than just a plain discount. That's something we offer a lot in our product, also.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting. Like, can you elaborate what what is what do you call a clever?
1: Yeah, so so instead of running, you know, twenty percent off everything. Yeah either segmenting customers based on, you know, their buying behavior, right? Someone may be a sort of a very high value customer that actually buys at, at full price all the time, then we don't need to maybe push the Black Friday promotion towards them, but rather push, you know, other campaigns, also more, more tailored pricing towards different markets, you know, the requirement of a discount to actually push conversion is different on different markets. Basically, you know, the price elasticity is not the same everywhere. So being more clever with that, also using more personalized discounts. So so maybe instead of running a site-wide sale, you know, 40% off everything, that type of thing, rather much more tailored discounts that, that sometimes involve discount codes, right? So you segment the clients and different customers get different types of discount codes, depending on like what customer segment they end up in. Also a lot more clever, sort of more more intricate black friday campaigns when it comes to using for example bundles to push average order value up right instead of just having a flat discount saying okay we have a discount but you need to shop for this and that or mount or you need to buy you know this type of bundle to get access to it a lot of our clients are sort of freemium brands or type of player that you don't want to cheapen the feel of the brand too much yes everyone is looking for a bargain or at least a lot of customers are looking for a bargain so to some extent you need to offer them a good deal you know that's the best way to drive conversion rates up but still you want to do it in a you know slightly different way maybe that that doesn't cheapen the feel of the brand too much we've also seen customers running smaller counts So, you know, instead of running 30, 40, 50% off, running, you know, 20% off or something like that.
0: Yeah. Very interesting, basically, like segmentation, not offering the same promo code to all your customers. Is that something that you can do directly from the platform or do you need like any segmentation tool on top?
1: Yeah, you would use a segment. So Centra is not the customer segmentation tool. So it's not the customer data platform or insight platform or, or something like that. So you would use a different tool for doing the actual, you know, you can do it in different ways. Of course, either you can do it a sort of more, what should I say, manual way, like thinking about different segments, you know, who's a high value customer, who only buys when they get a great discount, you know, who returns a lot those type of insights and segment based on that. But of course, we also have customers using AI based the clustering of customers. Yeah. Uh, to sort of gener- generate the customer segments automatically ba- based on data. So, and then what you do in the central software is actually set up all the all the discounts. You know how it should work with bundles yeah. and you know free shipping or reduced rate shipping or.
0: Yeah, I was thinking more like to change the to change the front end. Like I guess it's too for an integrated. If you want to change the front end based on the different segments.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's what you do, right? So you can you can tailor it so you know basically depending on what campaigns you have access to you could get different versions of the website maybe not all modules are there and so on so you can do a lot of this thing we call campaign sites which is essentially allowing a customer segment to access a different version of the site so that could be like you have you know vip customers that can see the next year's collection one week before everyone else or something like that
0: yeah yeah, definitely believe in that segmentation here, so super interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And not least, you know, segmentation when it comes to return behavior, I think has a, has a huge potential. You know, customers that have a very positive return behavior maybe can get one offering, and customers that have a what we think of as a negative returning behavior could get a different type of offer.
0: It's very funny you mentioned that because we actually just released last week or VIP segmentation in our return platform. So actually like, merchant can also like be like the faster refunds to the VIP customers and also like look at the profit, depending on the profitability, like, you know, then be able to change also like the front end and offer like free returns on that. Uh, because we also see, of course, like a big potential on that to drive, you know, like uh, retention and profitability for the, for the brands. But maybe you could share a bit more about like what is actually up, uh, upcoming in the platform. Because I mean, now you have been like closing a funding round quite recently and you've rolled out like multi-store, multi-currency, which is, of course, like one of the big strengths, uh, I think of Centra today. But can you explain a little bit more what you're doing to, to prepare the product to sort of like take on the world, if we can say?
1: Yeah, I think the the big things on our roadmap is actually investing in the core of the product. Uh, what does that mean for us? So it means continuing investing in like the features, as you mentioned. I think uh, you know, without bragging too much, I think Centra is is very powerful when it comes to to driving international selling, cross border sales with multi-currency multi-language also multi-warehouse different fulfillment points and fulfillment models and so on we'll continue to invest in that quite heavily we're we're also going to invest in our product information management so centers is of course not the PIM system it's not a product information management system but but a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the features that actually drive sales are related to to products right i mean we think fundamentally you know e-commerce is all about presenting product information in the most compelling way possible and so we're going to be continuing to investing in our pim system and really building features that are sort of unique for for the fashion and lifestyle industries and then of course it's a lot to, a lot about bundling products and driving product upsell yep. through different the types of product relations. We're also investing a lot in our ecosystem. So, so we're, where you guys are, of course, a part, yep. you know, headless commerce is a lot about combining different services in a clever way. So we're investing more in our partnerships, there are technology partners that can solve problems for customers that we don't solve by ourselves, but make, make it even more easy and possible to plug in and different services.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, of course, I think like one of the most important thing for merchants to be able to connect all their tools together. I also see that, of course, Um, and having like native integration. So,
1: yeah, and I mean, we we want to stick, we sort of take this helpless approach, right? Open API. So the idea is you, you should be able to integrate any type of software that has an API. But also, to so say, offering you know curated set of pre-built, well-tested integrations that that serve you know predefined purposes. Absolutely agree. Totally.
0: Yeah. Cool. I thought because also like our sort of expertise and like one part of the of the core, I think of Centra is b 2 B2B platform. Maybe we could take some time to, to dive a little bit into that because I feel that it's going to be like a very Attractive sales channel, like new sort of like self-development channel for direct to consumer brands in the coming years, and they should all be very well prepared for that. So I thought we can spend a bit of, of time on that topic. And for those who have listened also like to the previous season of the podcast, we also had that discussion with the former head of partnership at uni. And he was also like very much believing in, you know, the potential thing that we haven't even scratched the surface of each of these which I also believe is quite true, and and of course we know that Centra is a very strong platform for that. So maybe you can share a little bit of your thoughts around that. And, and to to start off, what do you think like a brand a B two B2C brand who wants to like start exploring the B two B sales channel should start looking at like how can they implement a, a, the right B two B strategy?
1: Yeah. Super good questions. So, yeah, first, as you say, like one of the features that stand out in Centra is that we, we offer direct-to-consumer e-commerce for fashion likes lifestyle brands, but we also offer B2B e-commerce, meaning a brand sale sells to retailers in bulk. In other words, fashion wholesale, you could say. So our view, you could ask, of course, is is a wholesale that you know, is direct-to-consumer the only channel for brands? We don't think so. We have a lot of clients that are pure play, direct consumer, meaning they only sell in their own e-commerce store or own physical brick and mortar stores. But we really believe that B2B is not bad. Then, of course, B2B in the digital area can mean a lot of different things. It can mean traditional B2B, in other words, selling in bulk to retailers that have their own stock, but it can also mean listing products on marketplaces you know, for a dropshipping type of setup. We absolutely think that we can have a place for for a fashion brand uh, the direct consumer brand and there are a few different reasons to it right primarily three that we see number one the right the right b2b partnerships drives brand awareness you know the cost of facebook ads is going up the cost of of influencer marketing is going up but actually especially brick and mortar retail can be a very cost-efficient way to get your brand out, get brand awareness in the right places. So I think that's a huge driver there. Second driver is, of course, just the business volumes, right? I mean, you can make this, you can make, people ask, but can we make money in wholesale? Well, first, of course, it's, you need to have a price point with a margin that makes it possible to sell wholesale, because wholesale will have lower margins. But if you do, we have a lot of clients that have a highly profitable wholesale business. And what we also see is that the brands that are the most successful in keeping high wholesale margins are the brands that are successful direct to consumer. So what I mean is we can see a correlation between like the strength of direct to consumer operations and the margins you are able to charge in wholesale. And and that's not that strange, right? Because if if you run a D2C brand and you sort of have a strong brand, then there will be a pull from the B2B side that uh, retailers want to stock your products, right? It's an addition to their offering to have your products versus if you have a weak brand or a weaker brand, that then the uh, bargaining power is on, on you know the other way around, right? That you sort of are dependent on the retailers to get your products out. The third reason to do it has to do with economics of scale so by adding a wholesale channel you can quite quickly add a lot of volume and a lot of our clients are sort of mid-sized brands right they're not enormous but but well-established brands but still you know if you do collections and and you produce you maybe not produce that many pieces in each size and if you add wholesale you actually get the volumes up which means you get your production costs down and you can run larger collections profitably and so on. So there are many reasons for brands to add wholesale into their mix as we see.
0: Yeah, super interesting points. I mean, of course, like on, on the first one, when you meant, you know, like uh, running a profitable physical store, I mean, in my experience is so that it's actually easier to run a profitable physical store than online. What we see with our customers is that most of the one who started purely online start of explore the physical retail, both with B2B and then like of course being like very selective on the type of retailer they want to be seen at, but also like opening their own stores. And I like to share that number because I think it was very impressive. Like one of the ground working with they told us that when they open a store the sales volume, both like combined online and offline during the next year basically Increased 600%.
1: Oh, wow. That's super impressive.
0: Yeah. So basically, really showing that the fact that having a store brings in you know, like. More aware- brand awareness. So they acquire new customer, but also, like, you know, customers start to you know, like, the size, the type of product they buy, and then they also buy, it, go and shop online. So they actually, you know, like, change their, try, they were well, like very strong online, and now they almost want to reshift to have like a higher percentage of their sales coming from their own physical stores. But of course, direct to consumer is a new model. And I think that as direct to consumer is maturing, we also see brands who sort of like max out the growth that they can get on their own channel. Mm. Uh, and, you know, start to look out for other self-channel. And I think that's how interest have been increasing quite a lot on, on wholesale. And you also mentioned like marketplace and dropshipping. You also had a um, podcast episode with Minto last season. And she also mentioned like, yeah, the basic, you know, it can be like for brand awareness, it can be like new sales channel, but there is also like really like a good time for brand to consumer marketplace. They have very good success with like super established brands, but also with new brands who actually are exposed to like a larger audience and that definitely all boosted their, their own sales on their own channel. What was a little bit new for me was actually the correlation between like being a direct to consumer success making it like easier for you then to be more successful at, at wholesale but then of course as you said it was obvious that <laughs> then you're in a better position to negotiate your price and then your your margin because one of my next questions was like yeah how to protect your own margins and like still continue to drive people to your own store when you sell on you know tools um, yeah
1: exactly i mean that that's that's a question that all brands have right how to how to balance the wholesale channel versus direct the consumer channel to what extent do they cannibalize each other and so on and so forth and we see a few different strategies there the first of all first of all we see brands being quite selective with what they offer through different wholesale channels so where for example I had several brands that pulled their entire offering off uh, off from zalando because they felt that, okay, it's, this is not adding value to us. You know, we have a strong brand pool. There's no need for us to sort of invest in brand marketing and then drive traffic into, in, into you know, retail, retailers that actually don't offer a strong collaboration, yeah. you know, for us. So, so that's certainly one thing we see brands doing, just yes, restricting product access. The other thing we see brands do is, is have their own online exclusives. Mm-hmm. So they segment their offering segment, you know, one, one thing you do in our wholesale e-commerce software is you segment very strongly which clients are, have access to buy what, at what prices. So you actually do a much more segmented offering. Another thing, another strategy we've seen brands, brands, employees essentially live with the fact that you're going to have. You know, re- retailers offering your own products online at lower prices, but let it let it then be like that, and and focus on and focus on increasing margins. Actually, back to your business, for example, not offering free returns on their own online stores, sort of thinking that the customers that want to buy a lot, try it out, send half back. You know, they can go to the retailers and buy, but, but keeping the high value focus on focusing very much on the high value cost, customers, the brand loyal customers in their own channel by offering different types of loyalty programs, you know, yeah. more personalized experience and so
0: on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a job, I think it's very interesting. So, basically, what you're saying is that let the customer who are hunting for bargains go into like the wholesale, you know, like the one who are more after this type of volume and have their business model built around giving discounts and try to instead like build your online audience with your most valuable customers who are the ones who buy free price that's what basically what you're saying
1: yeah that's what i'm saying i mean that's a strategy that some of our clients are are definitely employing and and also also you know being more selective with what especially the online retailers are allowed to uh, buy right essentially restricting Restricting that access, but but pushing, you know, maybe having a more generous offering towards brick and mortar type retailers, where you actually get your products out into new channels, customers can feel them, try them on, you know, it actually adds adds more value. But you know, the the sort of the type of online retailer that buy your Google ads and then just rank, you know, and are very good at SEO and just ranks slightly above you for brand searches, you know, restricting product access to those type of retailers.
0: Maybe if we jump on more like the international expansion for a brand who is actually looking at, at, doing international, what would you like recommend? Or maybe it depends on the type of brand, like as a good strategy to test out, you know, would you, would you think like going like testing out the, the market with online, uh, or trying with actually, you know, very well sort of like reference wholesale retailers in this market or a mix of what have you seen at your, you know, which have been, uh, working effectively?
1: Yeah. Yeah that's a great question. So for, first of all we think with like the right technology meaning our technology just enabling sales into a new market is very simple and we think that's how it should be. So we think so I'll give you two answers. The first is the long tail strategy to capture the long tail potential internationally. We think there's no reason, you know, with the technology that's available today there's no reason for a brand to not o- offer, you know, global Sell, sales that means a localized experience everywhere but it doesn't mean a hyper localized experience so what i mean is offering clients basically globally to buy the products in the currency they recognize with you know payment methods that they actually know and and can use with uh, with you know a tax setup that means there are no nasty surprises when goods arrive you know ddp type of shipping setup with maybe localized returns policy maybe it's you know in some markets maybe it's very cumbersome just uh, logistically and customs wise to accept returns especially accept them for free then maybe that is not enabled on all markets right but just offering a buying experience that that just works everywhere that we think is like a a, you know that enabling that long tail sales right that that is like our first advice is making sure that Customers can buy in a meaningful way wherever on all markets that you want to serve. So that's my first first answer. Like we think brands should, you know, Instagram has no borders. So if you're building, if you're investing in building an Instagram followership on Instagram, you know, you're just wasting that marketing effort, basically, if, if then customers can't buy. So that's our first answer. Like make sure that you can actually sell everywhere you want to sell. And then, then the second answer is how do you actually, in a meaningful, you know, way enter market? And that's much more complex. And there's a trade-off here, and probably it's a multi-channel strategy, you know, that is the way to go. And we think of it as like basically you have three different ways to enter market. Way number one is the strategically most valuable, but also most difficult, and that's actually to enter as a with a direct to consumer offering, meaning build your own brand locally. You know, gain customers, make sure the customers that like you become loyal followers, repeat buyers, recommending friends and so on, you know, very big investment to require customers that way, usually, but the strategically most valuable way to go. The second thing you can do is, of course, back to B2B, find some nice retailers that can promote your product. And depending on how niche the product is, you know, how interesting it is, you know, that that can be more or less easy. Yeah. And of course, there are agents that work in the B2B space that can help you out entering a market on the wholesale side, carry your brand and and get it into the right retail stores. Again, a little bit more effort, a little bit less strategic value. And then the third way you can can enter is, of course, through the big marketplaces on every market, right? If you want to enter, you know, China, you probably want to sell on... Tmall, and and that's generally very little effort. It's just some connectors into your e-commerce store, you know, and and being online there, but but very low strategic value to be live that way. And usually, what what uh, brands go for is some sort of hybrid approach, with with a combination of like marketing to actually build the direct to consumer business combined with uh, wholesale entering through selected retailers to try to get the brand out that yeah. way.
0: Super interesting, but I think also, in you know, what you said, like when you mentioned the first point, sort of like, of course, if you have an like, online store, you have an international Instagram communities, you have a potential to go international. And that also reminds another episode we said, like, you know, the beauty of e-commerce is that you can sell anywhere, but you need to have the right tool, and, and I think you mentioned quite precisely some of them, of course, like the local payment methods that the customer can trust that they can buy the VAT as well. We I mean the the tax and duties in the customs so there is you know because that could really, really affect the customer experience. But also I think it comes down to logistics. Yeah. Like you know, the local shipping carriers, I mean the good because that's very important. Like the shipping experience it's I experience like as I'm not living in my home country, I wanna sometime order, you know, from my yelling uh, French brands. And then I see like how bad they are at basically shipping to Sweden. And also like returning. So basically, I don't know how I can return my products. I i would don't like to take an order. And that happens so often yeah. that, you know, because it's not a brand usually like don't really see, see how easy it can be to just like give you know, a label and charge for return. But at least the customer knows what to expect. And I think it's the same for shipping. Yeah. Like you need to be reassured that, you know, the logistics are settled also for the brand. Like to make sure that every sale or at least, you know, after a certain amount of, of selling it, it becomes profitable because the way the can just, like, kill the international the, the, expansion. And I think it's not always, like, thought about or, like, talked about as, as much as it should. I know we have experienced that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we think of it as, like, a m- multiple stages of localization when you enter a new market. And, and the first stage for us is just to enable buying, right? So that could mean a local currency. It means local payment methods. It means a local price list that takes into account all of the additional costs of shipping and additional costs of, of customs. I mean, shipping DTP and those type of things to make sure that we are profitable there, right? In our first phase, we don't go into any type of hyper-localization, right? So it's just global carrier, you know, FedEx or UPS or DHL or one of those, you know. but But shipping, you know, with paperless trade, no nasty surprises for the customer that, you know, the package got stuck in customs or anything like that, but just enabling it, right? And also can be, you know, with a very different return policy that makes sure that we have profitable even if, if there are returns. That's, of course, bad for, for conversion, right? Then you see that volumes pick up, okay? We start to have some followership here. Then we can go into further localization, and then we start speaking about things such as setting up a local warehouse on the market to, to to be able to ship locally. And then we also start to talk about local shipping options. You know, not only the FedExes and the UPSs of the world, but local shipping options that people actually prefer. And that's also when we start talking, of course, about translations, content translations of the website, Uh, we, We talk about local collaborations, collaborating with a local influencer or someone who's known locally, local campaigning. Oh, I forgot in the beginning, of course, obviously, in the first step, also local size chart. We're in the fashion business. That's also super simple with Santra. Just set up, set up the correct size charts for each market. So people actually understand which size they're buying. It's a total conversion killer to not do that. People don't typically know their you know sizes.
0: Yeah. I think you mentioned a lot of very good points. And and of course, like when I mentioned logistics, I think as you said, they should start very easy and, and international carriers work well. And the HL now we work very well with tablet trade, both for shipment and for returns. But then, of course, like as a second step, then maybe considering opening a warehouse. We have a customer now who's been selling more than, it's a Swedish based brand, and they sell more than 80% of their sales in the US. And so far they have been operating just with their warehouse here. And now they're considering opening one in, in the US. But of course, like for them, customs, custom handling has been a big issue, both like for shipment and returns. We've been helping them out with, with FedEx in that sense. Because of course, like the customer having a bad experience is paying like a high volume of high amount of customs. And that also becomes the case now with the UK. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's very good advice to have, like, you know, think in steps, like try to keep it easy as you start exploring a new market. But then of course, be even more localized if, if one market is picking up. But of course, if you don't put the right strategy and tools at the beginning, you might see if the market is not picking. Up, um, because of the wrong reason, actually. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Cool. I just had like one more thing I wanted to ask you about because I think it's the new sort of interesting uh, feature that you released about the possibility to create subscriptions on on Centro, and I'm also more interested in because you are. Focusing on, you know, fashion and lifestyle and using subscription is something that we see more maybe for like, you know, I mean, to me, if I think about subscription is like pet food, I see there is a very good run in France, I mean, diapers and subscription, which make it very convenient, it's something that you use like quite often. So I'm very curious to hear how this feature came about. I'm pretty sure it probably came from one of your customers and what what's the plan and how you think your brand will use that to create more loyalty to the brand?
1: Yeah, excellent question. Yeah, indeed, Centra offers subscriptions out of the box. So meaning you can instead of just buying a product, you know, subscribe for the product. So you get the product every, you know, three months or two months, or you get some package, you know, with a, with a certain frequency. And you might ask, you know, but Centra is the the E-commerce software for fashion and lifestyle brands. Why do you care about subscriptions, right? Does that really make sense? Again, you're not selling diapers, and and it's it's a fair question. We it actually came from we run like a roadmap voting process where our clients can vote for what features they want to see, and and we were quite surprised ourselves. Like several clients said, hey, we really would like to see subscriptions. Okay, and the way we approach is as as a is a way to drive upsell, so and and essentially the products our clients use it for is is products that you do wear out so it's mostly for underwear socks those type of things mm-hmm. um that's the most common use case um and, and but we approach it as as a way to drive both customer loyalty and drive customer lifetime value higher so what you can do is essentially you can offer let's say a pair of socks for for a price right and then you can say on the product page you know would you instead of buying this product now would you like to subscribe for it you know we just make sure you never run out of socks we send them, they fit in your mailbox. You know, we can send a package every three months and you have fresh socks, right? And then you can offer a discount, essentially. So you say, if you subscribe, you can get 10% off or 20% off and offer it as sort of a convenience feature like that. And so far, so good. We have a strong set of clients actually using this feature and successfully. People are actually subscribing. So it's it's absolutely working. The other thing we see some brands do is offer some sort of package, right? That's a slightly different offering. That's like if you don't get the same product every time. So you might get, you know, a box of socks, but they are not just black socks or blue socks or gray socks. You actually get some printed socks or something. It's something a little bit funny and uh, you get sort of a gift for yourself every few months. Very interesting. I mean, obviously, maybe fashion lifestyle brands are not the primary focus area for subscriptions but still very relevant still very relevant we also have a lot of brands that offer some consumable products maybe it's not their primary focus or it is the primary focus i'm speaking about cosmetics everything from from perfumes to lipsticks to creams of various sorts and then of course the subscription model is is really relevant we also have a few clients that are in the almost nutrition lifestyle segment and then of course it makes a lot more sense and you know it's not only a part of the business model but actually a core part of the business model to offer subscription-based selling
0: yeah okay cool interesting um, but uh, I think we touched a lot of very interesting uh, topics, like both how to enter like the B two B and also how to go international. So I, think, I hope Origin got a lot of insights for you, Martin. So thank you again for coming and sharing all of that with us. If you have anything to share, if you are recruiting or if you want to share your LinkedIn or your emails, I just feel free to do that before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're absolutely recruiting into Centra. So if you're interested in joining us, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. We think the future is bright for direct-to-consumer brands. There have been some ups and downs, but we, we believe the macro is super strong and the direct-to-consumer is the future.
0: Thanks again, Martin, for this great episode. You gave really interesting advice that I think our audience will find very valuable when it comes to their global expansion plans. And also gaining insight on how direct-to-consumer brands' attitude toward Black Friday campaigns changed and more generally the evolution of discount strategies using segmentation, I think was extremely interesting. Because now the focus is very much on margin, so of course, you know, giving discount only when it's necessary is a very interesting approach. But it was also great to discuss Centra's plan, understanding that you prioritize very much investing in the product itself, but also in its partner ecosystem, such as a partner like us at Yalo. And for those who don't know us, we are a digital return management platform, so we help fashion brands automate their return process and increase customer loyalty. In my opinion, the most insightful segment of this episode was definitely the step-by-step guide that you gave so graciously on how to launch a direct-to-consumer brand. I'm sure some of our listeners are actually surprised to learn how much of an influence B2B e-commerce or wholesale in general can have in global expansion strategies. Because based on your customer data, it actually shows that it starts with building the brand locally and then using your hybrid approach, including B2B sales and direct sales. And to close, I think it's important to remind that any brand can actually launch its operational internationally online with the right strategies technology and partners, and that's the beauty of e-commerce, right? You can sell anywhere. But it's not all of that simple, of course, and giving customers the features that incorporate multi-currency options, recognizable payment methods, effective shipping and returns processes is very much required to actually grow sales internationally, effectively and efficiently. I think that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you very much, all of you, for listening. And I, of course, invite you to follow up on our next episode dropping in two weeks. Have a good one.